I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal. I'm here, as always, with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, who always keeps us informed about the latest scams. Welcome, Vicki. Hi, Patty. So today I want to talk to our listeners about caretaker fraud. And Patty, I have to tell you, I'm always sad to have to deal with this topic because I know that most caretakers are good, caring, hardworking people doing a very difficult job and usually for not enough pay. But I recently read a case prosecuted by the Department of Justice in Florida that brought this issue back to my attention, and I felt the need to share it. Well, thank you, Vicki. It is an important topic. And like you, I agree. Most caregivers are amazing, wonderful, generous people. But you do have to be very careful because there's always those odd birds that are not caring and are sneaky and are trying to get your money. Absolutely. So here's the headline that caught my eye. Caretaker of senior couple sentenced for stealing hundreds of thousands from elderly couple's bank account. Oh, wow. That is such a lot of money. What happened? Well, from 2016 to 2019, the defendant, whose name is Sherry Lynn Smith, worked as a caretaker for this elderly couple in Roward County. So as part of her duty, she had access to the victim's bank accounts to help them pay their monthly bills. And that's not unusual because oftentimes seniors need help either managing their finances or, you know, being able to see clearly or writing out their checks and paying those bills. Absolutely. But Smith used her access to the victim's finances to embezzle almost $300,000 out of their accounts. Oh, how did she manage it? Well, she wrote checks to herself, her family members, her creditors, and she forged the victim's signatures on these checks. But she even went further than that. She initiated Zelle electronic transfers from the victim's account to her own bank accounts. And she made electronic payments from the victim's accounts to her and her husband's credit card accounts. Well, she sounds like she was pretty sophisticated. She used all kinds of ways to access their accounts. That's right, Patty. And it reminded me of a case I prosecuted many years ago where a granddaughter who used to, quote, help her grandmother with her banking, like taking her to the bank, embezzled a large sum of money from her grandmother's account. Wow, that is so shameful. It was indeed, but it's surprising how many times this happens with family members. They actually can be the most serious abusers of their older relatives' finances. Now, in my case, the granddaughter did the same thing as this embezzler. She set up her own bank account and electronically transferred money out of her grandmother's account into her own account. And how did she finally get caught, Vicki? Well, another family member got suspicious and checked the victim's bank account and saw right away what was happening. So she reported the granddaughter to law enforcement. What was the granddaughter using the money for? Well, nothing good. She was using it for gambling at our local casino. Wow, that makes it even seem all the worse. So do you have any tips to help us avoid this situation? 
I do, Patty. I have several tips. First and most obvious, as you said, choose a caregiver with caution. The safest thing to do really is to go through a reputable agency where the agency has done a background check and the caregiver comes with references. And I cannot underline this enough, background checks. Yeah, that is really good advice. Unfortunately, sometimes it becomes unaffordable for people to use an agency. I do know about Real Help in Santa Barbara. Have you heard of them, Vicki? They charge more along the line of what you would pay if you found the caregiver yourself, but they also do the checks on them. I have not heard about them, but I'm happy to know about them. That sounds like a wonderful service. Yeah, thank you. So the next tip would be to keep an inventory of all your jewelry. Take photographs of your jewelry, especially the valuable pieces or the ones that have some sentimental value to you, and keep that jewelry in a locked drawer. Wow. I imagine that if somebody wanted to take something, it would be an easy thing for a caregiver to snatch without maybe being noticed right away. Absolutely. Jewelry apparently is the number one item that is stolen from homes occupied by elders. And if your jewelry is stolen, those photographs will be helpful in tracking the jewelry through pawn shops. Also, and this is another important thing, Don't give your caregiver access to your checks, checkbooks, your PIN number, or your bank accounts. If you need help with your finances, consider getting help from a trusted family, friend, or family member, or hire a fiduciary. Don't put temptation in the way of somebody caring for you. Good advice, Vicki. I imagine you should keep your financial documents and checkbooks locked. Don't just leave them lying around where someone could have easy access to them. That is very good advice and very important to do. And also keep track of incoming and outgoing mail. Don't rely on your caregiver to collect your mail or put your outgoing checks in the mailbox. We had a case in the office many years ago where the caregiver got access to the victim's bank account by getting blank checks from her checking account, which she got from the mailbox. So here's what happened in this particular case. It was kind of scary. She was randomly using checks from the victim's checking account and writing checks to herself or to her creditors and forging the victim's name. And the bank got suspicious. So the bank called the victim and the caregiver happened to be there when this call came through. And the caregiver heard the bank telling the victim that they wanted her to come in to go over some suspicious activity in her account, and they made an appointment for the next day. Now, the caregiver, who was the perpetrator in this case, heard this phone call. So here's what she did. She left the door unlocked when she left that evening. She came back in the middle of the night and with a pillow. She attacked the victim in bed and tried to smother her with the pillow. Now, this victim was disabled, but she managed to fight this woman off, and the woman thankfully ran out of the house. She was later arrested. We prosecuted her. She went to prison. But come to find out when they did a background check on her, she had been prosecuted and convicted several times before for fraud and had been to prison a number of different times. So that's why background checks are super important. Vicki, that is such a crazy story and so very scary. Thank goodness the victim got away. And 
being handicapped, you said, or disabled, it's amazing that she was able to fight her off. It yeah, it ended with her death scary. for sure. It was a very scary story. We prosecuted this woman for attempted murder mm-hmm. because that's really what it was. And she was convicted. Wow. So another tip, Patty, run a credit search on yourself two or three times a year by contacting one of the credit reporting agencies. And that's to make sure that no one is taking credit out in your name. And the credit reporting agencies are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And you can check once a year with each agency for free. So every three months, you could go in and check with one of the different agencies and do it for free just to make sure that no one is taking credit out in your name. And you can do it online. Equifax, for example, is equifax.com. Same with experience, same with TransUnion. It's just worth taking that effort. And finally, Patty, take the time to review your bank statements. Make sure that all the withdrawals are one that you have made or that you have authorized. And if you're feeling like you might need help, if you're feeling that all of this is sort of more than you can handle, ask your bank to send a duplicate copy of your monthly statement to a trusted family member or to a professional advisor and have them take a look at it. When one's eyes start to fail, as happens when we get older, a duplicate set of eyes are invaluable to catch problems. That's great advice, Vicki. If you have an elderly parent, keep an eye on them. That's so valuable if you have a trusted family member there that's kind of looking out for you. And sometimes it seems to me they can be in a little bit of denial that mom and dad are needing a little more help than they realized. Absolutely. Because being a caretaker is hard work. And Mm -hmm. supervising what is happening with financial transactions with your parents, with your elderly parents, can take a bit of extra time. But you know what? It's worth the effort. Absolutely. Well, that was kind of a good news story. The poor woman did not get murdered. (laughs) Any Any other good news or was that it for today? Well, actually, I do have some good news. This just came in from our friend Debbie Deem, who, as you know, was a former FBI victim advocate and still very active in trying to prevent frauds and scams targeting our elderly. This was a report that she sent to us. And I thought it was very interesting because people kind of wonder, what is the use of reporting things to FBI, IC3.gov? What is the use of doing that or Federal Trade Commission? Well, here's what she wrote. As a result of the Elder Abuse Prevention and Protection Act of 2017, the U.S. Department of Justice organized annual sweeps. And these sweeps targeted federal fraud-related crimes, and particularly those crimes that targeted the elderly. So in sweep number one in 2018, over 150 defendants were charged with causing over a half a billion dollars in stolen money to a million victims. So that's a big group of people. In the second sweep in 2019, over 260 defendants were charged, and they were charged with causing over three quarters of a billion dollars in money stolen from over 2 million victims. The third sweep happened in 2020, and this focused on money mules, where over 400 defendants were charged globally. So most of these victims were identified by reports that they had made to www.ic3.gov and ftc.gov. 
So that just goes to show you that it is really worthwhile reporting to those two different agencies because when the FBI does run these sweeps, you could actually be in line to get some money back. That's a lot of good news. That's some good work there. And also you have a fraud hotline and you'll be happy to talk to people further or even possibly they could share their own story on Scam Squad. How would they do that? Absolutely. And I really love it when people are willing to come forward and share their stories. My fraud hotline is area code 805-568-2442. And as usual, I will repeat that, 805-568-2442. Thank you, Vicki. And thanks for all that you do to keep us safe. I appreciate it. Thank you, Patty. Bye-bye. Bye.